0: hello and welcome to open all hours the qpr podcast it's international break uh so you're stuck with me clive whittingham from loft for words have come away from my keyboard blinking into the light during the international break and Join the rest of you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. As always of the podcast, I'm joined by two other QPR fans today. Charlie Wise from Talking Rangers. Nice job hosting last week. Charlie, how are you feeling?
1: Thank you very much. Um, yeah, a little bit um, disappointed that it's another international break because you just you get the, the PTSD from when we come back inevitably very poorly, as we have done throughout the course of the season. But um, yeah, we dust ourselves off after... I'll tell you quite a good week coming into it. You know, you take the points from it, but I'm sure we'll get onto that shortly.
0: Yeah, decent week uh, points wise. Performances a little bit mixed. We're also joined by Paul Finney live from his actual flower shop. How are you, Paul?
2: <laughs> it's I'm the co-owner. It's not my flower shop. I share it with my business partner, who also shares my house.
1: Um,
2: I'm absolutely fine. I had to watch the game on TV on Saturday, and. Um, I think Sky were absolutely devastated that we, we didn't lose because they seemed to be hell-bent on Blackpool winning that game. But, hey, um, yeah, good 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 break up to the international break, four points. Going to be happy with that. I used to enjoy international breaks with no and We're good, but now we're back to bed, shade. I'm not enjoying them so much
0: yeah i have heard that the sky were a little bit one sided on saturday if, you, if it makes sure you time. feel any if it, makes, if it makes you feel any better i have only just dried out after my uh, saturday in blackpool <laughs> i've never seen weather like it probably since the last time i was in blackpool to be fair um, we, no, have no, actually, no, no. we have actually uh, we have we have got an interview coming up today it's it's a big one it's one that we've been trying for for, for quite some time and with the with the training ground bond and everything, the club um, have uh, decided to put uh, Ruben Nangalingam, the uh, majority shareholder of the club, up for interview. Uh, this does mean that we are going to have uh, the modern Zoom phenomenon. That is one of our interviewees is going to drop into the waiting room at a point unknown to us. Uh, so there will be a less than seamless uh, transfer into that, and we're going to talk Blackpool between us until he appears which will happen at some point we hope in the next 15 to 20 minutes but if that comes across as horribly unprofessional then do uh, do forgive us that um yeah in the meantime we're going to talk Blackpool which was a decent result from a poor performance uh Charlie what did you make of Saturday?
1: Yeah um I mean straight off the bat another horrendous officiating decision at this level that was Quite clearly a goal that sort of should, uh, should have said should have stood. Um, yeah, no surprise that we're still seeing these creep in at, at this level. But luckily, um, you know, as I talked about on the podcast like last week, that you'd like to hope that, you know, they go for you and they go against you and it sort of levels out. And we saw that in the cup against us and then last week going for us. So very lucky with that one. But as you mentioned, um, you know, we got we got the win against Cardiff, got the point against Blackpool. But you know, the performance was a little bit, you know, underwhelming. In fact, very disappointing. Um, but, you know, you, you take four points from, from um, two back-to-back away games. Um, very slow to start, I thought, you know, very lethargic. Um, very poor in midfield. Final ball in the final third was shocking. No flow throughout our play. It was just, um, like I say, just bitterly disappointing to come away with, with how we played. Because I think that was an opportunity to be taken there
0: yeah i was walking down cardiff high street on whatever morning it was feels so long ago wednesday morning and and thinking if we four points would be a really good week and that's exactly what we got yeah. but um the performances in in both games really for me were a bit lackluster and while the international break is not uh very welcome for us fans sitting around uh, kicking our heels for the next couple of weeks i do think it has come at a good point for the team particularly with injuries and things like that I thought they looked quite tired and, and leggy certainly late at Cardiff and and for most of the game at Blackpool I I, I don't think I'm offending anybody to say that, that Blackpool I felt were a much better looked a much better team than us at the weekend and would go away um fairly fairly gutted with that result it is kind of spooky how uh there's all these offside decisions where the goalkeeper isn't the last man. All all at once, there was one in the Arsenal Watford game. Mm. Um, there was uh, obviously that the travesty in our Sunderland game, um, and uh, and then Blackpool again. It's weird how those are all all coming at once. But yeah, I thought we were pretty lucky to get away with Blackpool. Finney, what did you what did you make of Saturday? Huh. I just cut myself off because I'm an absolute arse. Uh,
2: I think that. I'm I'm happy with both results. I mean, we didn't play particularly well. Um, it was interesting, we said, about Johansson and of course he didn't appear sadly. So. Um, and we played with like, Willock on Friday so I, I, I called off the other day. I'm like you, Clive, these days are running all into weirdness for me but I think we did all right. I think people are going to be happy with four points and other people won't happy because they felt we should have had six but, you know, we've got to remember the championship is so game after game after game after game and I think People on the best of it, Blackpool. Blackpool are a bloody good side, very well organised. They're going to be hard to beat, and um, they did all right against us. And I think, you know, we'll focus on the mistakes we make. But you know, he's, I'm looking at the more positive side of it. And as we keep saying, I'm just enjoying this team for as long as we've got them Clive Because I think this squad will get broken up, whatever happens at the end of the season. What do you think?
0: Maybe, maybe. Um, I. The defense is uh, the defense is interesting to me because the general perception is that we we don't defend well and can't defend and need two goals to get a, need two goals to get a point most of the time. But actually, I think we've got four clean sheets in the last eight games, and we only conceded at Blackpool off, off a sort of monumental defensive error from Barbe. So, looking at them, they look wide open, and it's proper City pan stuff. And we obviously got away with a, an offside goal that wasn't a Blackpool. But the, the stats, defensive-wise, are moving in the right direction. Last time I was on here, I think we had the worst defence in the league apart from Peterborough, and I think it's now the eighth worst, which is it's still not good for a, a team that wants to get promoted. But it does feel like it's moving in the right direction, even if to watch them play is just terrifying at times. We just look like the most open team I, I, think, uh, I think I've ever watched. Barbe. I thought he was weird at Cardiff as well. I thought he gave the ball away a hell of a lot at Cardiff. I wonder if all these games that we're talking about, he's played 70 consecutive league games or whatever. And I think he's played every minute of them, um, which is pretty remarkable. But I wondered if that was sort of catching up with him a little bit last week and Dieng, although now has uh, now has COVID apparently, so so get well soon and, I presume that makes him a doubt for Luton, particularly if he's already travelled to Senegal for their game before being diagnosed with it. But I didn't. I thought he looks fairly ropey again at, at Blackpool. But like you say, they're a decent team. I think. I think a few teams will lose up there, particularly in that atmosphere. That's the best atmosphere I've seen and heard at a Championship home from a Championship home crowd for a long time. Fulham have already lost there, Um so we should probably not be too down on ourselves. One one's. One one's probably a, a, a decent result. I think a lot of teams will, will take one one. Would take one one from Blackpool uh, from Blackpool this year. They look good to me. Um, but do you know, I?
2: But do I know it's about Saturday, Clive? Which is interesting. Is the defense? It does. It does really difficult things well, and the easy things we're not doing well. I know it sounds an like obvious blinking thing to say, and Steady's form does worry me a wee bit in some respects. But I still. I still think we've come a long way, guys. You know what I mean? Like it's, A couple of scenes ago, we couldn't hit a barn door with an onion. Do you know what I mean? So at least now we're... No, I don't. I've no idea what you mean by that. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> with an that wouldn't be me to throw in me little phidisms, would it? But I, I I, think that it kind of depresses me. I, I kind of. Have, I know you keep saying to me, get off Twitter if any you are an and so you should get nervous. But I look at Twitter and I think people are watching different games. and Maybe I'm expecting... My expectations are low and everyone else is tired. I don't know. It just seems to be every time we we don't win a game, everyone goes
1: absolutely mad. But you know,
2: Blackpool. We're saying it. Blackpool's a hard game. They're a decent side. They got. You've been listening girls. to that
1: Blackpool Sky commentary too much, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> <Obviously, laughs> it's had it rubbing off
2: effects on you. They were bad. Don Goodman is probably in therapy as we speak because he was so so upset after that off cycle, which oh my you know, and we it. had no say They were, and it's kind of like, oh, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that, and it's like, yeah, right, and the, the penalty, like, oh, he's lucky to stay on the pitch. No, he wasn't. It was never a red card for the That That was that would have been a ridiculous decision. It was a, In my mind, it was a soft penalty because he got up and walked away. Oh, I'm not sure and um, right. and the second, <laughs> oh, it was a soft penalty. I'm not having <laughs> it. But a red card would have been brutal. I mean, that, 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 that to me was just like, oh, he should have been sent off. No, he shouldn't. He could have be been an horse. And I just think that, you know, that their fans, glad you're right, because they've been through it. Let's be honest. They've been through the ringer. And um, I think it shows in how they 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 back the side.
0: That for eleven thousand people, wow, that noise was incredible. Yeah, it was a bit of a pain in the ass in the away end because you know, try as we might, you just couldn't you couldn't make yourself heard over it. Uh, it's very unusual for a championship uh, home crowd. The bit that I'm I'm still undecided on is we're sixth without playing as well as we know we can. If you think. You know, the way we beat Coventry at home last year, Luton at home, Man United in the pre-season. I'm trying to think of some of the other games at the end of last season where we looked just really, really good, Bristol City away, maybe Stoke away. Mm. We haven't played like that really this season. So the fact that we're six without playing well should be a good sign because you think, well sooner or later when we do start playing well imagine how imagine how good we're going to be or is it going to go the other way and that if we keep playing like this there's no way we're going to maintain sixth and actually sixth in november is as good as it's going to get i mean charlie are you optimistic
1: or pessimistic about the direction of travel that was literally my exact point i was going to come on to i was going to mention that you know, I was thinking about this in the week, I don't really think we kind of got out of second gear at the moment, maybe second or third gear. I mean, there's so much more that this squad has to offer in terms of how well it can play and the performance that it can output. And we're not really seeing those at the moment, which is, you know, like you said, it's that, you know, what way do you take it? Do you take it that we're capable of so much more, but we're still getting the results, which is a good sign that, you know, at moments you look at the, the Blackpool game, a moment of individual brilliance has, has got us a point there. And, you know, our performance hasn't really warranted warranted the point, but, you know, if you want to be competing at the top end of the table, that's how you need to grind out games. You know, it's not going to be pretty for every you know ninety minutes of, throughout the course of the season. It's um, it's grinding out those nitty gritty championship points. And you know, we know what the squad's capable of. We've seen in the, the latter stages of last season, you know, how well we can play. We can we can play any team in this league off the pitch. But like I say it's a little bit disappointing because we know what we can offer, and you can take it the other way in the fact that if we carry on playing like this. You know the perform the the results won't come, and you know you can get into that that downward spiral, and the confidence can suffer, the self belief can, you know, almost evaporate. So it is tough, and I think you know Warburton does need to you know to really get out those players because there is so much more they can do, and you know uh, this squad is so capable of of doing anything you know throughout this course of the season and nothing's really off the table bar probably the top two now but yeah it, um, it is disappointing but um, like I said I think there's so much more to come and you know you look at QPR sides of the of, of past we've kind of we've only really got results when we played really well and, and that's so great in this sort of stage now where we've got players that you know you're under the cosh you're struggling to, to get things going and, and Chris Willock or Elias Chair can, can step up and, and get you something from a game.
0: That is the XG, uh, the XG evangelists were saying at the end of August, this will never, this QPR cannot continue like this. And here we are at the end of November, still in six. So there's nothing to say. It can't continue like this. I don't think we're going to, we have to play better than this. And I think a couple of times, like you say, Willock got us out of jail at the weekend with a brilliant goal. Chair did the same against Blackburn. Yeah. So we are going to have to step up. I think a few of the, either the reasons for it or the excuses for it, depending on how critical you want to be, they kind of dry up when we come back from this break because uh, I think it's only six games, only six games in about six weeks through to Christmas. I think Huddersfield's the only midweek one. And with all the moves around, we basically have five or six days between the games. So there's none of these three game weeks. There's also none of the, Horrible double travel weeks we've had, like Hull and Middlesbrough in the same week away, and then Cardiff-Blackpool. That's, you know, it's a lot of time in hotels and coaches and things. There's there's none of that. I think five of the next seven are at home. We come back in with Luton and Huddersfield at home, and then Derby away, which obviously no easy games in the championship cliche, blah, blah, blah. But that's three, you would think, three nice games for a club, for any club that's got ambition at this level this season. You, Those are three nice games to have. We've got Injured players coming back. I watched the under 23s yesterday. Sam Field played a full 90 and looked good. Lee Wallace played for 60 minutes and certainly wasn't giving the hamstring any rest. He was up and down the the left side as as we've become used to, to seeing from him and we've missed, I think. Um, so we're getting some of the injuries back. We obviously lost Sam McCallum long term and... Um, Moses Adabagio apparently has a hamstring as well, but some of the key injured players are coming back. The fixtures are spreading out a little bit. There's less travel and five out of seven at home. A lot of the reasons and excuses they've given for the underperformance, which I think is quite reasonable, uh, what they've said, they sort of dry up a little bit over the next few weeks. So maybe we'll finally, by the time we sort of sit down for the Christmas turkey, we might finally have an idea of whether we're any good or not. Because um, at the moment, like I've been at every game, I'm still not sure whether we are any good or not. It's like it seems like a weird thing to be saying after 17 games. Are we? Are we actually any good for him?
2: Um, I think. Listen, we we saw Cardiff that pass from Zel. just breathtakingly brilliant. We saw an absolute world class goal by Willock, um, and you're from his reaction how much it meant to him. Obviously, with the travesty he had during the week and stuff. So. I'm like, you know, I'm undecided. decided. There's times when we're brilliant and then there's the old, the, the old time at the Bar Bay almost on goal at Cardiff where you're just like, what the hell are you thinking? Um, and then he did it again. You're like, Jesus, he's really trying to give us a win, here. here. Um, and, um, you know, it's kind of like, has it, it it's just, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I, I take this team as my favourite QPR team for the last three years. Basically, because you don't know what you're going to get, but you know they're going to try. You know they're going to give it their all. And we will make mistakes, but, you know, it's a championship. Everyone makes mistakes. I mean, I guess Christmas is going to see Fulham and Bournemouth pull away like everyone thought they would. Um, mm-hmm. Look at the results. They seem to be getting into shape a wee bit. So it's, it's going to be tricky. And I think we're just going to reset our sights a little bit on what we want. I mean, you know, to me, I think the team's trying. It's it's a good... Um, I mean, the plus the big pluses are that, you know, you've got Dunn's come in and he's taken the place for the season now. You've got Willock, you've got Ilias um, Cher. but you know it's people are too easy to criticise, and more than just enjoying them. Sometimes they're good, they're young, they're going to make mistakes, but rather than the mercenaries we've had for years, as I keep saying, and we're going to learn. But I think top six isn't out of the way, Clive. I think you're right. I think we can do it, but it's QPR. God knows what will happen. You
0: just don't know. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with with everything you've you've said there. I, I said at first. the start of the I said at the start of the season that I was a little bit concerned that expectation would almost get the better of the fan base. There seems to be this idea creeping in that it's top six or bust or top six or it's been a horrendous failure. I think that that's quite yeah. dangerous. I think we're capable of being in the six. We can avoid injuries and we can play like we played in the second half of last season. And it's worth remembering that we weren't that far short of the playoffs last year, even winning only four games in the whole first half of the season. So we're already tracking way ahead of where we were at this point last season. And if we have a good second half of the season, we're going to be um, right in there. It's also worth remembering that where we are at the moment, if we were to finish sixth, seventh, eighth, that's still progress year on year on last season. And that's, we, we've we spoken about that since Warburton has come in and everything getting incrementally better league positions each year. Um I we shouldn't hang hang ourselves on this it's top six or or it's been a dreadful, dreadful failure. you know let's see where we are in May and not put horrendous pressure on the on the team and the players. I do some of the reaction again on social media as you've said after the results or the performance aren 't quite there is is so over the top. The other thing about the blackpool game and I've met. I mentioned it a lot because I had to stand in it, but I don't. I'm not sure if it came across on the television just how difficult those conditions were to play in. It was a it was a proper gale force wind against us in the uh, in the second half. Um, and uh, yeah, I just i, I think it was a, it was a good result from a poor performance. Here comes that less than seamless transfer into our interview because I can now see Ruben Nanalingam has joined us in the waiting room. So we will admit. QPR's majority shareholder, and hopefully it'll all go very smoothly. And there he is, with the uh, with the the QPR background as well. Ruben, hi, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hi. Hey, how you doing? Very, very good, mate. We're um, we're pleased to, pleased to have you along. Thank you for for sparing us some some time. Um, no problem, no problem at no. all. What, did, what did you make? I'm in quarantine, so I'm happy to do it. Do nothing better. <laughs> okay, just passing it We're just passing the time, are we? Well, that's that's fair enough. This is my yeah. quarantine tag back in Laser. So okay, okay. Yeah. What do what did you make a Blackpool, Ruben?
3: <laughs> well, I had to get up. Well, I didn't have to get up because I'm still jet lagged, so I so I saw it very late over here. It looks like the kids off here was at one thirty. And uh I think you know, whatever luck we thought we didn't have against Sunderland. I think we got a bit of luck against Blackpool. Um, I, and I'm, I'm not sure that was really offside, to be honest. Um, and so I think, you know, we were quite lucky, but it's, it's nice to, you know, not have, it's uh, nice to get four points just before the window. So I think we, we always seem to do well just before the window. You know, it's always like, and then we have the window, you know, which I think really sucks because then we have to build back up again, all over again, right? So and I don't know why we don't start well after the window, you know, so, which is, you know, you know, which I think has been they issue too many windows. I guess so. the, the 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 good thing is I think this is the last one for a while. So so you know so that's, that's the good news.
0: Yeah, believe me, mate. Six uh, six days on the road doing Cardiff and Blackpool all at once last week. I need an international <laughs> break, even if uh, even if you guys don't. And like you say, we definitely cashed some refereeing chips at uh, at Bloomfield we're on Saturday. But I feel like we were owed that after after Sunderland. Um, listen, let's we'll we'll get uh, get down to the to the interview because we wanted to to speak to you for a while. Um, we're going to split it between the three of us, and I'm going to go first. And um, I just wondered, I mean, first of all, why did you get involved uh, with QPR in the first place? <laughs> do, do you regret it? No. Um, <laughs> why did you get involved with QPR in the first place? And has that um, has that aim changed? Because obviously, when Tune brought into the Club, we were a Premier League club, and now there's been some mistakes along the way, as I'm sure you'll say. But we're we're a Championship club now, doing things differently. So, why did you get involved in the first place? What was your your vision for it, and has that changed now?
3: Um, so, the, the the truth of the matter is, um, myself and Tony used to own a club back in Malaysia, um, in the Malaysian football league. Um, but it's a, it's a very complicated um, scene over here. And after trying it for like three or four years, we decided to give it up here because it just it was very messy. Let's put it that way. I'm trying to be kind to the people over here, but it's very messy, messy. Um, which you know probably still is the case today. Um and, and that's why that's one of the reasons why we didn't want to get involved any further here. And 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 then you know Tony had the idea to say, look, why don't we just you know get involved in real football is what he called it. So um and you know, so so that's where. Uh, you know, we looked at many clubs and, and I think this is the one we fell in love with. I think uh, that's the easiest way to put it. So, and, I, I, you know, I always tell the story that, I mean, we came for the Bolton game. I don't know if you remember that game. It was it was, it was the end of the London riots, right, um, that, that year. Um, I think the only game that was called off was Tottenham versus someone because the riots were in Tottenham. And and we were not sure whether to fly in because of the London riots. And, you know, from from where we were in Asia, you know, the London riots seemed like a really really big thing. Like, whole of London was on fire. Like, right? so you know, can we even land in Heathrow, or is the airport on fire as well? So, so I mean, that that's the kind of feeling we had before we came in. And then we came in and we saw, and we saw QPR get beat, I think four zero, if I'm not mistaken. And and um, I think Gary cahill scored got uh, a a. Um, a volley from outside of the box, which I don't think he's yeah. ever done ever in his life. So, um, and and that was our first experience with uh, with the QPR, and and and. But after the game, uh, we sat outside, uh, you know that triangle on the right. you come out of the stadium. If you look on South Africa, that triangle. We just sat at that corner, and and a few fans. We just started talking to a few fans out there, and and um just to get to know what the fans were like and and i don't know who they are to today so um and 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 it was interesting because you know the feeling they gave us was that this was a very family-oriented club and a very community-based club and i think um for us you know when we got to tony's car after that we said we were doing this right so so if there was ever if, if we were not sure after that formula and, and 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 the reception that you know the previous owners called on that day um, I think after speaking to those fans, I think we were we were very very uh, reassured that this is something we want to do. Now, do we have regrets? No regrets in terms of getting involved in QPR. Uh, regrets about things, decisions we've made, hundred percent. And I always tell people that I always tell Tony that I'm not sure there are any mistakes left to make in football because we must have made it all by now, you know. Um, but you know, I'm sure I'm I'm still wrong because there's probably still some to make which we haven't. But but um, but I, I'm hoping that we've done at least most of the big ones. So uh, you know, so, so I think um, you know, and, and and that's how we got involved. That's how I got involved at in the beginning, and and yeah. So that's where we, that's where that's where we are now.
0: What's your what's your aim for QPR now? Like I say, you bought a Premier League club, you don't have that anymore. What's what's your aim? What do you see as success here? So I think for me. Um, over the
3: last five years, at least last five or six years, uh, for me, the, the goal has always been to get the club to be self-sustainable, right? I think that for me is the number one priority for QPR. Uh, I want the club to be sustainable on its own and not dependent on owners putting money in, right? Uh, as we know right now, from a revenue perspective, uh, that's still not possible. Um, uh, so what we want to do is get to a point where we're developing enough players that we can do that. That's that's one strategy. The other strategy is, is having a venue where we can generate revenues as well, uh, more revenues that will cook, cook the club sustainable as well. And I don't just mean uh, more revenues in terms of uh, capacity. I don't think capacity really is the issue. I think it's more about how to derive um, more value from the venue being used. You know, uh, we have a venue in close to central London or even central London, which is used 30 days a year I think, I think the site's five acres, and five acres being used 30 days a year in central London is ridiculous, to be honest. Right? Um, as, as some of you know, I have another club in the U.S., and, and that venue, um, my partners there are not happy that it's being used 100 days a year. right? I think we're trying to reach 150 now. Uh, and one of my partners over there has a venue which, which he uses 330 days a year. Right. Of course that, that venue is indoors, so it's a bit different to compare. But um for outdoor venue, I think you know, a hundred days a year is at least the minimum target we should be targeting. And and what's good about revenues like that is that you know you're getting it from not just your fan base, you're getting it from other people using the venue for other reasons, right? So like concerts or um, you know, boxing matches or or anything else for that matter. Um or weddings for for for, even, for, for that sake. So, so you know, getting revenue from outside of the family, which is also very good. I think you know you don't want to just drain the fans all the time. Uh, I think the idea is to see what other revenue streams you can bring in, which would which would be helpful uh, to build the club as well. So so that this is why, that's why I think you know from a venue perspective we could do a lot here, but uh, also that's why we invested in the academy to develop it to make sure we can develop players to increase the revenue base to make the club sustainable as well. So I think you know everything that I've been focusing on has it has been around that goal. And and I think the 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 training ground too is, is is just to make sure that we're heading in that direction with regards to developing players. So we want to have a good venue of our own where people are proud to come in. And we want to have an academy which is which is which is right next to or in the same venue with the first team. So the first team for the so the kids can see what you know the um can see what the um, the, the first teams like and, and aspire to get there. And and I think so so as I said, so my, my goal in terms of success would be when the club is self-sustainable so um on its own.
0: Can you do that at Loftus Road? We know we go every week, we love it, but we know its limitations. And there were some pictures the Nottingham Forest fans posted on Friday of what it's like down the back of the away end at, at Loftus Road. We all we we all know we love it like I say, but we know its limitations. Can we do this? At Loftus Road, Because by the sounds of it, a new stadium is, is as far away as ever at the moment.
3: So I think we can do it in Loftus Road, but we can't do it in Loftus Road um, as is. So if, if, if you're talking about the way Loftus Road is designed today, I think trying to do other events there is going to be really, really hard. And as, as those pictures you mentioned uh, clearly show, we're struggling to, 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 to sell even on game day. Even for the 30 days a year we are open right now, I don't even think it's 30 days, by the way, but maybe this isn't with the cup run. It might be 30 days. But but even with it for the 30 days that it is open, um, we were struggling on game day to actually sell, um, um, you know, um, extra, get extra revenue on game days. So, so with the structure of the stadium as it is today, I think it's very, very hard. Uh, we've looked at what we can do within the current structure as it is. Um, and I think uh, there are some things we could try to do we're exploring those on their own, but I think um, you know that's one of the reasons why we want to talk to the council to see what else we could do um, in the area uh, and see how we can maybe you know get a, get a better venue at that current site. And that, that's why, you know, um, and now we've officially written to the to the council to try and meet them and hopefully we get to see them soon.
0: So is that would that be are you talking about redeveloping Loftus Road or having fan zones off site or? what more can we do where, where we are in your mind? I, I
3: think it's about um, changing, um, redeveloping it slightly, not not completely. I think you know it, it might be something where we could look at one stand at a time or something uh, and creating a better space there with, with better value for the fans coming in so that they're willing to spend more, to be honest, or, or see how we can convert some of the spaces to be uh, used pre- pre-game and after the game. You know um uh, a bit more which also drives in more revenue so i think you know so, so to obviously the, the, the bigger the plans you want to do the bigger the change you want to make the bigger the investment is going to be and then we need to see the roi on that too because there's no point investing in something that is going to cost you so much where you don't you're, you're going to get the returns from the additional revenue it brings in so all of those things have to have to come into place as well but you know i think we were distracted for a long time looking at you know other sites uh, that we didn't focus on this one and, and maybe you know looking at other sites may be now difficult and therefore uh, you know honing in on what we can do on our current site may be the best way to go forward. Is the
0: is the Linford Christie Stadium is is that idea dead in the water now or is is that is that still a, a long-term goal?
3: So you know we've had so much different feedback about that um, from the council over the over the last about well, three years I think um, and we don't know what their stand is on it uh, anymore, to be honest. Um, and uh, we've not heard from them about it for a while now either. So, so you know, I have no idea where they stand on this. So, so I think we need to find out from them, and it's entirely their call. Um, you know, I think we've made it very clear multiple times to them that you know we would be, it would be highly desirable for us to move in there, but I think. Um, you know they, I think I think one of the key things they talked about at one stage was trying to do an open tender for the site, and now, if you do an open tender for the site and we 're bidding against you know you know 1000000000 dollar companies we 're not going to win the site so so I, so I think you know so from that angle I think that's one of the, the last few conversations we had with them was along those lines where I think they said something like that so um, and we don 't know, but the Chiefs, even then they, they said something like that and they never did it so so we don 't know where 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 they are on that site, and we don 't actually know what they want to do on that site, to be honest. Um, we don't even know if they want to do anything on the site, so, as I said, we have not heard anything, any clarity from them on that site, and, 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 and the last one we heard was, you know, they want to do a full open tender where I, I don't think we would stand a chance, to be honest, so, so that's why, you know, for me, um, based on, on the feedback we've had from them over the last few years, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for us to, to, to look at that site seriously.
0: One more from me before I kick it over to, to Charlie. On the on that Linford Christie site, there seems to be a concern from the council that you guys kind of want them to give you the land for free in return for them not having to pay for the upkeep of a, a pretty crappy athletics venue as it is at the moment. They say that they don't particularly want to give public land to, they, and this is their words, not mine, um, rich Malaysian owners, foreign owners of a football club, um. And then you can obviously property develop Loftus Road and, and you come out of that uh, smelling of roses almost. That seems to be the crux of, of their problem and, and statement. I mean, you've, you've obviously read the statement. What do you, what do you make of that, that point of view? So I think
3: um, if you analyse it carefully, um, well, firstly, we, we never even got to the stage where we're talking about what the rental would be on the site um, you know, or, or what the lease would be on the site. I don't think we even got to that stage yet. So to, to say that we asked for that, I don't know when we asked for that, to be honest, and I don't know where they're coming from um, because that certainly the request didn't come from us from, from that angle. We've never, as I said, we haven't even got to that. They wanted to do a tender on the site. I don't know how they could suggest that we wanted this, to give this for free. It didn't make sense either. Now, and, and if you think of it carefully, no matter how much you develop uh, the uh, Loftus Road site, uh, it won't be enough to cover the stadium. So if, if they think we're going to walk away scot-free, um, the cost of this new stadium is going to cost a lot more than what we can develop the Road for, uh, to be really, really honest. And, and, and the margins you get from the Road will not even cover the cost of the new stadium, um, no matter where we go. So, 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 so to think that we're going to be making money off it, I think, is a ridiculous accusation that's what they accuse us for. But I'm not sure that's what they meant in the article. The article was kind of vague, too, to be honest. So so let's see what they say. We've asked for official meeting, we've officially asked them for a meeting. And I hope we can get back, and I hope they get back to us pretty soon and and let's see what
0: they say.
1: Good luck with that. Charlie, why don't you talk about some football? <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, Ruben. It's very much appreciated. I just wanna kinda of no dive into some of the sort of past transfer windows and kind of how that's fed into the one pre to this season. If we just look back at 2019, twenty nineteen-20, you brought in fifteen players for a combined transfer fee of around £54,000 with £7 million coming in from, from sales. And then feeding into the season after that, last season, 2021, 13 players brought in for £8 million, give or take with some undisclosed fees that we don't get to know. Um, and then £16 million coming in from the sales of certain players, the likes of um, and, you know, This season... From the fans' perspective, we felt as though we sort of saw a transition and, and sort of the belief from yourself and, um, and, and the board. We saw 11 players come in for a combined fee of, yes, granted, low at £1.7 million, but with only the sale of Liam Kelly coming in, again, another undisclosed fee. But it's not so much just the, you know, that £1.7 million of, of transfer fees that we laid out. It was, again, the, the, the free transfers, the likes of Johansson, Austin, Andre Grayfield, or the Badgers, we all know, beyond high wages. So we sort of, from, from a fans' perspective, we sort of saw you know, yourself and the board kind of almost a bit of a let's go for it this year. We You know, the past investments have been in response to, you know, financial incomings from big players being sold, but we didn't really see that this year. And from our perspective, you know, we did well the tail end of last year, uh, last year and we kept, you know, it seemed as though the board was very keen to keep the assets that we had in the squad. Uh, you invested again in Dezel and Johansson, and, you know, the player wages and, and the free transfer. So what was the reasoning behind sort of yourself and the board uh, wanting to up the stakes this year and kind of invest more heavily in the squad. And like I said, what was the reasoning behind that? So I think, you know, um, our,
3: our reasoning doesn't change from one season to the other. Um, as I said before, our, our key goal is sustainability. And, and every year, I think from a footballing perspective, our, our targets always, hopefully, we have some progress. And I think for the last three years, we've had progress um, I think we, we finished um, 19th and then 16th and then I think 9th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, something along those lines over the last three years. And I think, you know, that's progress. So again, this year our target's always, you know, to get slightly better uh, year after year. Now, for us, when it comes to doing deals, I think for us the focus has always been, uh, is it a good deal for us? And I think that works both ways, whether we're buying players, whether we're selling players, uh, is it a good deal for us? I think this window um, is a bit, it's a bit of a strange one because of COVID. I think COVID uh, certainly you know depressed the market slightly, and therefore we didn't think that um, you know uh, if we didn't think that we would get valuations of our players that we valued them at, and I think because we have the room um, not to we don't have we don't need to to sell anybody uh, this year. I think you know we because we had the we have the wiggle room. I think it made it easier for, for us not to sell anybody. And I think, you know, so from that perspective it's always um, the idea is, you know, if we don't have to, then we, we, won't, we won't sell anybody for a price that we don't want to sell them for. So for us, you know, the, the key thing about these windows is, uh, even the one coming up, it's about you know, getting good deals both ways, you know, making sure that we sign the right deals and the right players at the right price. Uh, we don't always get to do that. It's, it's not a science where you can you know, get 100% every single time, but, but that's our focus when it comes to transfers, trying to get you know, the best deal for the club both ways.
1: Okay, yeah, um, you know the club is currently sat sixth in the championship. Um, given the form it's had under last season, like was mentioned from the sort of the squad investment, how is yourself and the board? How are they viewing the sort of current successes this year in the position in the league, and how you know sort of are you feeling about everything at the moment?
3: So you know, I think um, again, you know, when it comes to sustainability from a revenue perspective. I'm not mistaken. I think the the, the stats show showed that we were, I think, 18th or. 16th or something when it comes to revenue in this league um you know and and i think every time we perform better than that i think it shows that we're doing well in that sense because we're punching above our weight and our weight is based on how much revenue we earn so 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 from that perspective uh currently sitting six is definitely i think i think our revenue to be fair i think our revenue is slightly better this year i have to praise the fans a lot for that because i think our fans came back a lot more than other fans have to be really honest i think that's that's the feedback we're getting from the league at least that our attendances are up uh, a lot more than other attendances are up in that sense, and of course I think our, our our jersey sales have done really well, probably because of that nice black kid that we all have now. <laughs> um, and and I think you know so so I think from from and and I think you know from one perspective, uh, we're getting a few more TV games that maybe that we want, but you know that's helping the revenues too a little bit as well. So, so maybe we're not 16th, maybe we're you know, 15th or 14th revenue-wise. But I think uh, from that perspective, when I compare it to where we are in the league, we're sixth in the league right now. And I think from that perspective, we're doing quite well. Um, you know, of course, the, the season has been kind of strange and frustrating. I think we've been very lucky at times. I think we've been very unlucky at times. And I think, we're still, I think we're still at six right now. So I think we have to be happy with that.
1: Yeah, no. Granted, I think that is definitely the sort of the perception around the fan base at the moment. And just coming on from you know how you're talking about the sustainability and and the position we're in financially. I mean, as you as you, you mentioned yourself, the January transfer window is fast approaching. Uh, with recent numerous injuries injuries throughout the squad, there will be calls from certain fans for, for further incomings in January to sort of reinforce the squad. Um, will there be finances available for Mark Warburton? I know it's going to be a area for you to touch on, but to improve the squad and provide those that cover um, that you know this this long season is going to going to be required.
3: So I think you know from, from our perspective, um, and I think uh, Les and Mark do this quite well. To be honest, um, they won't ask for a player unless they really need one. And and I think you know uh, from that perspective, uh, they've been quite good about that. And I think again from Les's perspective. You know the idea would be if the player makes sense for us, then, then yes, and if he doesn't, then we won't do it, right? So I think it's quite simple from that perspective, and that goes as I said from when we buy a player, when we sell a player, it has to be a good deal for the club. Now one of the key things about the January window, we all know, it's not it's not the best time to go and buy players in that window. Um, it's a seller's market, so to speak. And, and therefore, um, you know, you, you hardly get any good deals in that window. So we have to be very careful from that perspective. We don't want to be, you know, clubs, you know buying players we don't need and buying players that don't have an impact for us. Now, of course, we have to consider any injuries at that point in time. Um, unfortunately, we can't, we don't have a crystal ball as to what injuries we might have in the future. So we can't plan for those, but we will know where we stand with regards to players in December. I think we, have to, we obviously have to see where we stand when it comes to injuries with players in December and, and, then, and then whether we need to, to, to strengthen the squad based on those injuries. We, we, you know, uh, we have a few players out now, but I think most of them will be back um, you know, playing soon. And I think from that perspective, um, there's no really injury concerns that we need to be thinking about in terms of replacements at the moment. Uh, We have to also think about the African Nations Cup, where we will lose a few players for a few weeks, but we're only losing them for a few weeks. So, so to completely replace them also might not be sensible because they're going to be back in a few weeks. So, you know, and the thing is, if if you're going to bring in loans, they have to impact your first team uh, in a big way, right? Otherwise, what's the point of the loan, to be honest, right? So, we don't want a loan which is a fringe player, which might make the squad. I think that's a complete waste of time. But then again, when you bring in those loans who are, Big impact players. Then what about the player you want to develop and sell on, right? So he does not get any game time. So it's a really tricky situation where, you know, it's always the, the, this January window is always a tough one, you know, in terms of what we can do and what we need to do. Um, and I suppose um, you know, last season I think it was slightly easier. Uh, we went for the four loans, and, and it made a lot of sense for us to go for those four loans, and 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 it worked out quite well. So this year I think you know uh, the recruitment team is always having a whole bunch of names of players who we could go after. The question is whether we do go off them and I think that depends on, on what Les and, and Mark come back to the board and recommend uh, based on what we need for the second half
1: of the season. So, so we have to
3: see in January. I mean, we have to see in December if, when we discuss it and, and see whether we do anything in January. Or not.
1: Just a, just a last one from me, just touching upon kind of what you mentioned, it's hard for clubs to do business with value in this window um, and, and kind of on the flip side of that, it comes that there's desperation from clubs to, to make changes you know, throughout the leagues and And that then feeds into, you know, inflated prices where where teams get desperate. So that kind of opens the door where, you know, we've got players at the club that are performing very well. um, I'm sure clubs would like to take off our hands. And, And of course, you know, all players have their price. But from a fan's perspective at the moment, it would feel... It feels like something's building here, and to lose sort of a big player at this stage in the season, it would feel you know, it could be catastrophic for our chances of success. You mentioned at the start of the season that there was the club is in no real desperation to sell key players, but what's the sort of situation at the moment? You know, will the, team be, will the club be keen to fight off interest? Or, you know, of course, like as I mentioned, all players have their price, but are we in a position where we're keen to keep this core of the squad? So, if,
3: if somebody came for one of our players for 150 million pounds, would you sell? <laughs> no, not roughly.
1: No, Jake. and Of course, of course. Now,
3: for for the long-term sustainability of the club, I think we have to sell for 150 million pounds, right? So 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 there will be, you know, if, if somebody values or pay the same price as a bappe, then I think we have to sell, right, At that at that point. So when you say that 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 there's no value that we will not sell at, I think that would be, you know, um a fallacy because um we have to look at the long-term sustainability of the club. I think that's the key priority. And if somebody comes in with something crazy like that, that means we can also spend, right? So, so I think uh, we have to put into this perspective, you know, uh, and, and see what the offers are. I, I thought, so for me, the, the, key, Chris, the key part here is that, um, you know, I, I'm always thinking of the long-term sustainability of the club, right? I'm um, not just this one window or not just this one season. I'm thinking the long-term. So, And I want this club to be successful in the long term. I want this club to be sustainable in the long term. I want this club to not have to depend on owners to put in money, right? You know, That's when the club can truly be independent and, and truly be sustainable. And, and and so I have to think from that perspective. And if somebody does come in with £160 million pounds for one of our players, I will have to consider it very seriously.
0: <laughs> before uh, before we shut this to Finney to, to finish with, uh, you mentioned that the revenues this year have been helped by the number of Sky games. Obviously, the supporters... The Sky games are unpopular because they ruin our trains and hotels and Saturdays and all the rest of it. And we seem to be on Sky a bit. How much money do we actually get for being having the extra Sky games? How, if it helps the revenue, how how much is it helping? If
3: I'm not mistaken, and I don't have the facts of this exactly, I think it's seventy five thousand pounds. Is that right,
0: Paul? Per game,
3: if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, so, 10, so so 10 the 10 games we've had picked before Christmas is, is three quarters of a million quid. Um, yeah, could be. Uh, and, and, and 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 as you can tell, um,
3: and I know it disrupts train schedules, et cetera. The ones for the away games don't have an effect on, on, on ticket sales, right? So so you know, if we're shown live on an away game, it's additional revenue to us, which doesn't affect our ticket sales, right? So the home games, on the other hand, you know, sometimes it can affect the sales. So, so you don't have that additional, you know, 75k straight, straight, straight to your bottom line because ticket uh, ticket sales sales
0: So But the away games definitely help as well. There you go, Paul. We need to stop moaning about our uh, Monday night trip to, uh, to Derby and Sheffield United. Um, no, no, no. You still
3: have to <laughs> moan because it, it wouldn't be QPR if you didn't moan about it. So.
0: <laughs> uh, Finny,
2: get no. stuck in, mate. No one is taking my chance of mourning about absolutely everything, which I, I do <laughs> regularly and I enjoy mourning because if I was happy, I would just be so disappointed, I'd probably drop down dead, as your mother would have said. Ruben, thanks for joining us. It's been a long time coming to get you on the podcast and I'm so pleased that you've opened yourself, yes. not just to, to us, but to all fans, which is how hat should be, there should be no preference and I, and I respect that a lot. Um, It's very easy to talk about the mistakes that you've made, the money you've spent and all that malarkey, but you guys have signed that off so it's, it's your personal responsibility from what I can take on the finances um, and stuff like that so I'm not going to certainly win with that but what was the turning point because we seem to have gone back to the old style QPR of what you said earlier on developing players not being edgy trigger and sacking managers we seem to be giving people more time we've given less time which he, he needed and he's, he's, he's proved that was a, a good decision and we seem to be more community based what was the turning point in that if there was one?
3: So I think um, you know, for, for myself and Tony, if you look if you look at, you look at cl- uh, sorry, not clubs, look at companies in Malaysia. The two companies that spend a lot of time focusing on culture in Malaysia is my is, is, is my family's company, Westport, which is a shipping port, um, and Tony's company, Air Asia. I think these are the two companies. If you want to you wanna spend time on finding out which companies spend a lot of time building their culture, these are probably be the two biggest companies that spend. Time on culture, and I think what what we realized after I think four years, um, both Tony and I realized that you know whilst we talk about culture all the time back in Malaysia, we never looked at the culture in football, and we just assumed that football was different, you know, and therefore culture doesn't apply. And I think that's when we realized that you know um, the culture we had at the club at that time was toxic. I think I think that the, 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 that would be you know. Paul's looking at me saying that's the headline you just gave them, right? So, uh, but but it's the truth. I mean, at, at that point in time, the, the culture is toxic again. And, you know, myself and Tony coming into English football, I think, you know, we, we I'm not gonna pretend we knew everything we were doing. Um, and I think, you know, in this business, there are more people out there that are trying to, who are trying to hurt you than trying to help you, right? And I think football mm. business in the UK itself or in Europe maybe, is quite toxic in general, right? Um, and I think there are a lot of people who are trying to, you know, get trying to make a quick buck here and there, right? So, so I think you know that's where um, that's where our realization was that you know one of the key things we needed to do, which was I guess you know 2015 um, ish, uh, I guess, uh, was we need to start changing the culture around, and I think that's when uh, people like Les and Lee started coming in. And and then with with people like them is when we start to change the culture around because uh, we we got them to implement a new culture. And I think that's why we value them so highly because um, I think from a culture perspective, they're they're everything we believe in what the culture should be, right? So um, good, honest people. And I I don't think it's a a very um, magic formula of any kind. I think good, honest people is... Sorry, sorry, the no, another concubine. Sorry, but apologize for that. Um so good, honest people, I think is where um you know is is, is a simple part of the culture, what's what we try to build over here. And and I think that's that, that's what we've been trying to do for the last uh, six years. So so and, and I think that was the turning point when when we realized the culture was bad and we needed to change culture. Well, I'm I'm pleased you did, frankly.
2: Because oh my. I, I, I kind of, The headlines, you know, of us having the wage bill of Dortmund and all the negative stuff was was depressing. And I think it got a lot of fans down because QPR was not that sort of club. It was never the sort of club. And I don't know what the previous owners left, what state the club was in, to be honest with you. But I don't know if they left it in a good shape, a bad shape or an indifferent shape and you guys had come in. And and then, of course, it got even more complicated with the relationship with the council, which hopefully we can rebuild and stuff like that. So you, you haven't had an easy ride. That's for sure. But I think as well with, with Grenville and everything else, we kind of the club founded soul again and that obviously we don't want that. We don't want to find a soul through a disaster like that. But it was something that made me very proud how the club reacted. And it, 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 it's a lot of people said it and it's true. We we went we went out and we helped people change their life. And there's very few clubs can do that. And I'm very proud that what QPR did then, to be perfectly honest with you. I think and I, I think that as well, everything started to change in a better direction once the community did that for Grenfell, did things. And we, we find ourselves, I'm just wondering, which sounds a wee bit, after what I've just said, is, is, is trivial really, but would you do things a lot differently if we were to go back up to the, the um, Premier League, or as I call it, the half and half scarf brigade?
3: Half and half scarf brigade. Oh, right. Um, when you say differently, meaning when we go up and do, do things differently from when we went up the last time, is that what you mean?
2: Yeah, and the spending and the wages and the kind of players that we would be recruiting, etc.
3: As I said, I, I, I have to think about the club long-term. I have to think about sustainability of the club long-term. I think I think the last time we went up, um, we bet the house to, to, to stay up. And I think that was a mistake, to be honest. Um, and I think we have to think about um, realistically, what, what can happen, which is, you know, you might go down as well and I think you can't bet the house to stay up and then end up going down. I think that's where, that's where you, you, you won't make, the club will be unsustainable in that sense if you try and do that. So I don't think that strategy um, was right and, and I, I definitely wouldn't be doing that again. So um, if we did go up, I wouldn't be betting the house for us to stay up. I'll be looking at what's realistic and making sure that if we did come down, which, you know, for the teams that go up, I think the likelihood of you coming down is very, very likely, as we can see. Um, I mean, no disrespect, but look at Norris now. I think, you know, a um, club going up is always going to be the one struggling and trying to stay up. So, so I think, you know, trying to bet the house that we're going to stay up, I think it would be a mistake. And I don't think it would be a long-term sustainable decision made for the club. I think it would be an emotional decision, would be a, which could be disastrous for the club long-term. So I think, you know, as long as we keep our eye on the fact that we need to be sustainable, then we invest what we can and we try our best to stay up. But, you know, we have to plan for the eventual scenario that we, if we do go down, we're not going to be in a disaster again.
2: Well, that's, that sounds a lot more sensible than making agents rich. I'll give you that one, um, which is what we did the last time. I felt, I did feel for you. Because it was really bizarre. Because I remember I was asked to do an interview on in the radio once and they were kind of coming from the angle of like, are oh, these guys here to sell your ground? Are they bad people. I was like, no, they've just made errors that you know, football will swallow you up. It's, it's ruthless. You know, It's like a sea of piranhas these ages sometimes. And as long as you learn from it, we can go
3: forward. It's when people don't learn from it, it worries me. I think, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, what we inherited. And I think the, the one key thing that we didn't inherit um, was any governance. There was no governance at the club when we took over. right? There was no proper board um, and and those are things that part of culture you want to put in to make sure that you know if you want to have good people you want to have a sustainable club running for the long term you have to have these governance things in place and you have to have checking balances everywhere and you have to have people you know checking triple checking on, on everything because and doing due diligence on everyone because you know it's one of those businesses where it's all it's all about people right and, and so so background checks and due diligence on, on everybody needs to be you know done in a very thorough manner because because the whole idea is, is, is we need good people here. And I think, um, so for us, the, the lack of governance, I think what really didn't help us when we came in. And, and I think um, that's what we missed. If, if there was one thing we missed when we came in was that. And again, as I said, for, from a governance perspective, myself and Tony, I spent a lot of time with that, actually in our work companies in Malaysia. And, and, and the fact that it didn't cross our minds uh, for four years when it comes to culture and governance, which is, you know, um, it, was, it was amazing that we didn't think about it. It was just crazy um, for for people who speak so much about it. We didn't think about it even once when it came to football because we just we just assume football is different, you know. So you can't mm-hmm. compare it to an airline, you can't compare it to a port or shipping. You know, it's it's, it's not the same kind of fish, but actually. You know, when it comes to managing organizations, culture is the key, you no know, matter what kind of organization it is, whether it's uh, you know a sports club or or a port or a airline or a trust or an NGO. I think culture is crucial, and I think that's what we wanted to make sure that we, we keep in, in the club, and that's why you know a lot of the t- decisions we make have to be based along those lines of, the, of that culture, and they have to be consistent to that culture because if you suddenly make emotional decisions, you know, based on on certain short term thinking, then then all of it goes out the window for a little while. And then you have to build it back up again, which which, which, is, which is very difficult. So, so I think sometimes we have to put the emotional part behind us and think about the long term. And, and sometimes I make, that, that means making tough decisions, which are not popular. But I think, uh, as I said, I'm only going to think of the long term sustainability of the club. I mean, think that, that's my focus. That's my goal.
2: That's fair enough. By the way, this is my last question, and I'm sorry about the background noise. But I'm in the meat flower business, and we've got a client talking about a lovely wedding. So that's why you hear a lot of voices in the no. background. So I apologise. <laughs> no, no, no. sent to the back room. I normally have to do it in the toilet to be first, so this is permission <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> but my last, my last point. Well, it's, it's twofold actually, as it would be with me. First of all, I like the recruitment at QPR these days. It seems the doors open for anyone, male, female, no colour. No, nothing. It's just open, and I think in football we are way ahead of many clubs in that policy. And I think that's brilliant, by the way. Personally, I don't care what anyone else says. I think it's a really good structure that people come in, male or female, as I said, and they can get a coaching role at QPR. I think what you guys are doing that way it, it is brilliant, by the way. Just, just to give you a heads up on that one.
3: Thank you, um, and on that one, I I have to say that you know. Um... <clears throat> It's it's very strange because it's actually just come very naturally. Uh, we one day we looked around at the board and said, "Did we put any policies in place to make sure that this is the case?" And we looked around and said, "No, it's just it's just the culture that we created allowed for it to come to come out naturally, right?" Did we, did we tell Chris Ramji he has to hire so and so? We never told him who he has to hire. We just said, "Get the best people in the house, right?" But get good people first, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, good people first, then best people. So. So I, I, have put one, I have put one big caveat on it. I will say I will want good people before skill. Right? So no matter how good a player you are or how good a coach you are, if you're not a good person first, please don't come. Right? For me, that, that's, that, that is the key criteria. You can be the best player in the world. We won't want you if you're not a good person. So for me, that, that is the one rule I have put in place. And I think by just putting the, the culture in place, I think it happened naturally. So when we look at you know, how inclusive we are, um, the strangest thing is, you know, when when I spoke to Les or Chris or, or Ahmed or Tony, we looked around. We like we didn't really put any rules in place to, to to say that we have to do this or that, this or that. But but it actually came very very naturally, and and that's why and that's one of the things I love about 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 the way we've evolved. And I think even and not just um, and not just in the club itself. in mean, the community stuff we do as well. Uh, it's actually very very inclusive as well over there. And I think you know it, it's also I think. That part comes from the community. And the community is a very inclusive community, and that's why it resonates well with the club as well.
2: And my last question—I promise I suppose the thing, it's a question. I don't know; it probably isn't. But the, the, the last point I'd make is that you know we talk about community, we talk about things, but what Andy Evan does, what the club does, everything is so important. But also, at the end of the day, let's face it—it it comes down to a Saturday or a Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday or Monday, whatever's going to decide to put this on TV. and. You, you, you do seem to have changed policy to say we're giving people a chance and everything else. And you personally don't seem to be on social media as much as Tony was. Do, do you think that the social media bit scarred Tony? Because if you want to be loved, Don't Buy a Football Club has always been my kind of um, take on things.
3: Well, I, I never, in fact, you know, I, I never really use social media very much, uh, to be honest. Um, uh and and the reason why i even opened the accounts because tony told me i should when we bought the club and i didn't have an account before that to be honest um and, and that's for twitter i think instagram is um i think my wife told me i need to have instagram so she likes so what's the pictures she puts up with the kids so 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 that's a separate story and, and facebook i don't even use anymore um and, and the rest i don't even know what they are tiktok and all those things I, i'm not I, i've not been up to date with what those things are but um no, so for me, I think, you know, the way I use Twitter, to be honest, um, is actually now as my news feed, because I don't actually buy newspapers anymore, um, well, not the physical version anymore, um, and I use this to to get latest news, and I think it's a very good tool to get latest news, and I think uh, from that perspective, it's really worked well for me, but you know, it's not one of the things I do when it comes to, to that, and and, and 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 unfortunately, I think you know, Twitter became a, a venue which was which was very negative. I think there was a lot of negativity built on Twitter, you know. And and you know, for me, I found it quite easy because if I don't like what somebody says, I just block them. You know, it's, it's very easy. The block function is one of the best functions Twitter has. And I think I might have more people I block than I actually follow, but um, you know, because because I don't want any negativity on Twitter. That's for sure. So so for, for anyone who seems relatively negative, I'll block them. But if, if it's constructive criticism, I like it, you know, because I think it's, it allows me to get good feedback too. You know, if somebody tells us, "Look, the toilet's not working," then you know, it, it gives me feedback to call someone and say, "Could you fix the toilet, please?" Right. So, um, and, and I think that's a good thing. But um, but if somebody's just saying, you know, "Go to hell," then I'm blocking right? so it's because that's what the function's for, right? So so you use it to block someone when they're making no sense and, and you know. And the ones, of course, I never pay attention to are the keyboard warriors, right? So the ones who mm-hmm. make a lot of, and then don't dare show up to sh- to show their face when when the time comes. And the ones I really can't stand are the ones who abuse fans. I think those are the ones who should be banned, not just from Twitter or not just from the social media platforms. They should be banned from the stadiums as well. Um, and and if I can, if I find anyone like that, I'm I'm happy to ban any fan who abuses any of our players or, or any fan who abuses any of our other fans, for that matter. I, I, I don't think that they, they should be welcome because, as I said, one of the key things we love about this club is that it's a community club, and we want it to stay a community club. So, so people like that who have have time to abuse people, I don't think, should be our fans. Full stop.
2: That's me coming off Twitter. i That's be the you, what, Ruben, you? Um,
3: Yes, Ruben,
0: thank you very much. I now go and close my Twitter account and <laughs> reopen <laughs> oh, Facebook. Thank um, you for your time, Ruben. Yeah, Ruben, thank you thank you so much for that. I have noticed once or twice a, a cheeky retweet from you when I've been coating the referees off, so uh, you want to watch yourself on the EFL fines with that one. Right? Um, are, you, um, are you... You said going? it, not me, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey! I, I, I see you, I see you. Um, you want to see,
2: Ruben, you want to see him during the match? He's he's probably more than the manager, if used to referees.
0: I have calmed down a lot post pandemic, <laughs> I have a quiet perspective. I sit and you have not calmed down. I have got my I, perspective.
3: You no, know, we're referees, as long as they're consistent, okay.
0: <laughs> we used <laughs> to run a basketball league. I used to run a
3: basketball league over here. And, and, and one of the key things was um, people used to say that the referees were not very good in our basketball league. And I asked them one question Look, as, Are they consistent? And they said, No, yes. So I said, as long as they're consistent, it's fair. You know? So as long as they're consistently bad or consistently good, you know, the result's going to be the same anyway. So as long as they're not biased one way or the other. I think referees doing. it's a tough job. It's a very, 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 very tough job. I actually refereed once when I think I was uh, 19. And for about five minutes during that match, I, up, I was actually watching the match and not actually refereeing the match. And, and actually, the game ended five minutes ago and I, I didn't blow the whistle. So, so, so I, I know how tough that job can be. But, um, but as, as I said, as long as it's consistent, then I think you know, it, it, it's fair.
0: Keith Stroud's, well, Stroud, yeah. Keith Stroud's very consistent in it. Keith very consistent indeed. Um, <laughs> He's, I think he
2: went to the same referee still that you went to. Reuben. <laughs>
0: um, Ruben, before we let you go, would you describe yourself as a hands-on owner, or do you leave it mostly to Les and Lee, and you just have an oversight? I mean, at a day-to-day. Are you like how much are you involved? If you see what I mean.
3: No, I actually I let them get on with the day-to-day stuff. To be honest, but as I said, if I see. A toilet that needs to be fixed, then I'll let them know that a toilet needs to be fixed. But um, I, I don't try to micromanage what they do. Um, but if, if I have a good idea, I'll definitely put, pass it on to them. Or if, or if somebody brings up a good idea, to me, I'll definitely pass it on to them. But I, I try not to micromanage in any way. And, and definitely, when it comes to transfers and things like that, um, you know, if somebody if somebody sends a, an idea of a good player to me, I'll send it to Les straight away. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do his job for him. You know, and if, he's, if he comes back and says. Hey boss, we've got to buy this guy or we've got to, we've got to loan this guy. I'll say, okay, well, we'll consider it and get, get me a good deal. As I said,
0: for us, the, the key thing is a good
3: deal, both ways.
0: Uh, Ruben, that's, uh, that's great. Thank you for spending so much time with us today. We really appreciate it. Best of nope. luck uh, with the rest of the season, obviously. We hope it goes well, everything crossed. And uh, yeah, take care. Hope to, hope to catch up and speak to you soon. Best of luck.
2: Okay, Thanks, cool. Ruben. Thank you,
0: Ruben. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Well, that, and, then, and then they left, and uh, it was it was just us three again. So, um, <laughs> takeaways, Paul. What did you uh, what did you make of that?
2: Bloody honest. Um, I think it's interesting what he said about the Twitter thing and banning people from stadiums and blah blah blah. Um, to quote Boris Johnson, um, I think that's an, an interesting thing. He obviously wants a positive culture around the place, and um, good luck with that. Um. But yeah, he's, he's honest, he's open. I, I don't think they're trying to hide away from the mistakes they made, but I hope they've learned, don't, don't we all? Because whatever happens, if we do find ourselves in a position of promotion again, we don't want to go through that horrible circus scenario. Also, it was interesting what you said about
0: no governance of the last order well. That was a shock. Well, yeah, it was a dictatorship, wasn't it? It was uh, one yeah. one megalomaniac, eg- egomaniac at the, at the top. Um, I think the, the big one... I mean, on the point of getting promoted to the Premier League, that would be an interesting acid test, I think, because that it would be, don't think so. it would be massively, massively tempting to go up there. I mean, I'm sure they don't just deposit the £120 million into your bank account on day one. I'm sure that's not how it works. But you do get £120 million for finishing last in the Premier League, and I'm sure it would be tempting if not on the same scale as before when we were just doing ludicrous things, but certainly they I'm sure they would be tempted to to splash the cash a little bit and get some names in, you know. You know what I'm saying. That I'm interested, hopefully, hopefully we get to find out, obviously. But I, I am interested to, to see how that goes. And the other the other big thing for me is that we seem to be rapidly going back to having spent years telling us it's impossible there's no future at Loftus Road, completely unsustainable. We're absolutely dead in the water as long as we're here. We do now seem to be rapidly accelerating back towards what else can we do at with Loftus Road, at Loftus Road, you know, working on the stands that we've got and things like that. You know, that hasn't been the message for a very long time. No, it does right. seem to, I'm again, be be the focus at the moment. How I was surprised that is, at that. I don't know.
2: I was really surprised at that. Um, Charlie, you as well, because... I, I, out of all the things that would come out of this interview, I did not expect that at all. Cause I, I thought that it ex, that expanded all possible scenarios and we couldn't do anything we the love it. It was, as Clive said. So it was interesting because I've always believed we can upgrade the ground in some way. Surely there must be a way of doing it. Perhaps I need to speak to Jim Freeland about the last time QPR drew up the plans of doing this and, and what, what the result was. What do you think, Charlie?
1: Yeah, as Clive mentioned, I thought, you know the club had, had turned away from that <clears throat> that possibility, and, and that was a, one of a distant past. But um, you know, everything's possible if, you know within within reason. I think, I think with the struggles in the area now and and the problems I have with the council, and as you mentioned, you know, as, as Clive said throughout the podcast, you know, a new stadium seems seems so distant. Um, that mm-hmm. they're almost forced to try and work with what they got and it is a struggle because as you rightly mentioned you know you can invest in the stadium and you can do things but if it doesn't warrant the return on investment then the club are not going to take it because that word that I think you mentioned you know every couple of seconds was sustainability and that to hear from a QPR fan is is quite refreshing because as we've seen in such um, such erratic and irrational decision making for, for so long now and of course we moved away from that and that sustainability is something that we so desperately need and we are starting to see throughout the club. As I mentioned, sort of the finances and what we spent on transfers, that has been something ever-present that we're seeing in the last couple of years and something we will see going forward. Um, but I think, you know, as, as you mentioned, Vinny, the, the sort of culture that he mentioned upon it, and he was brutally honest in the fact that they couldn't believe they didn't see it earlier for about four years. They didn't even really divulge into this, this area of culture and sort of the problem it had, not, on, not only on the pitch issues, but off the field as well. And we have seen, you know, the club, you know, you know, take a turning point and and this transition to where we're much more aware of you know the issues wider outside of the club, the impacts we're having. So, no, I think I appreciated everything you sort of said, and he was very realistic, honest, and and quite transparent with us. So it was quite a refreshing interview.
0: Seventy-five thousand pounds per Sky game um, was something. Well, it wasn't, and I because I had heard that figure a couple of weeks ago. Somebody said, you, I know you moan about the Sky games, but we get £75,000 of time for them. So we've already made three quarters of a million quid off Sky just in the first half of the season, which one of the things I complain about Sky a lot is they pick the same six clubs. It's just us, Forest, West Brom, Fulham, um, Bournemouth and uh, one other on a loop. And we've had more games than half the league combined. Like... Mm. I think Blackpool, that was their first game on Sky against us. Luton next week, it's their second game. Blackburn have been on once, Preston once and things like this. So that's actually a big advantage to us. I know we hate it and I'm, I still hate it, but that's a big advantage that Sky are probably going to end up putting a million quid into QPR this year that they're not putting into Luton or Preston. It's something to bear in mind, I guess, when people like me are bitching and moaning about having to go to Sheffield United on a on a Monday night. Um so I do, we, I do, sorry, I, I do feel for people. I do feel for people because they do get messed
2: around. You know, they, whether they come from Sweden, Norway, Northern Ireland, Southern Ireland, America, whatever, they do get messed around. But I guess, for the clubs' point of view, it it makes perfect business sense. And I guess it's a whole, it's thing. a whole
0: other podcast which we'll we'll probably do. I just they could mm. they could do things like the other week they sent Middlesbrough to Cardiff for a twelve o'clock kickoff on a Saturday on the same day that Blackpool were playing Preston. Now, quite apart from the fact that Blackpool v Preston is a better game, why would you not think about the fans a little bit? Coming out of the whole football without fans is nothing pandemic. Why not just think a little bit? Do we really need to be sending Cardiff 500 miles for a midday kickoff when we could be having Blackpool and Preston instead? You know, could the picks be made a little bit more in advance? Do we really need a game on a Thursday night? And so just a little bit more, a sort of, little bit more give and take, a little bit more ethical with their picks. The, the league needs a TV deal. We saw what happened when ITV Digital went bust. This league is not viable without a T. I mean, it
1: isn't viable anyway. Everyone it loses. It seems money. there's no consultation between sort of anyone who has any involvement in the fixtures. Any consultation with, with managers and clubs and sort of the impact and implications that are caused by these decisions. It's it's something that it does need addressing. Come come start next season. Yeah, they
0: don't seem to they don't seem to care. And I think it's a no big, remorse. Yeah, I think it's a big PR miss for them. I would have thought coming out of the pandemic and like I say, even Sky would jump in on this fans with a uh, football without fans is nothing. We're so glad to have you. But I, if I was a PR, if David Fraser was on here, he'd probably disagree <laughs> with me. But if you were David Fraser, you would be advising Sky. This is a huge opportunity. Be the friend of the fan this season. Come out and say, we're going to do our picks way in advance. There's going to be no more of this. Newcastle at Bournemouth on Monday nights. You know, they could have come out and been the friend of the fan. And actually they've gone the opposite way and are just as big headed as they were before. But like Ruben says, Three quarters of a million quid. Um
2: Weird we point do- about the Blackpool press the game though. That is a I would rather watch that than Middlesbrough versus um Cardiff because Blackpool I know. Preston it was, was, it was is a, a feisty super- affair.
0: Yeah, it was a stupid, it was it wasn't even a good pick. Um but there are things like there's a. I, when I was doing an article the other day, there was there's a weekend in March where obviously the game is going to be Sheffield United Forest. If you look at the fixtures on that day, they're awful. Sky are obviously gonna want Sheffield United v. Forest. Why not move it now? Why not give them that notice? You're obviously going to pick mm. it. Pick it now. What's to stop you doing that? Mm. Um, but like I said, it's a whole other podcast, and uh, we've already been cracking on for an hour here. I can. Can't David we? used to, David used to give me the waggy finger at this point, so uh, so we, we better wrap up. Do you want to do uh, our Zen births, marriages, and deaths, Finny, or or Luton predictions? What do you, What do you want to do? <laughs> you
2: know, sometimes Clive, you can be quite hurtful. <laughs> luckily, I'm luckily I'm not a sensitive little... That's to be. Now, Um, yeah, a lute on a Friday night. What could possibly, possibly go wrong? Um, Yeah, that's going to be an interesting Friday night, for sure. I think it's going to be a very busy police operation, that one. Um, Hard to say. I watched them the other day on telly. They're not a bad side, actually. I have yet to see, it. I mean, apart from Preston and... and who else was pretty poor the other week that I watched? Uh, Barnsley. I mean, we we you know the championship is, is is as unpredictable as ever. Um, I'd like to absolutely hammer Luton. I always remember the Paul Parker goal with great memories because we absolutely hammered them, and that was good. So I'd like to see us hammer them, send them back to Luton miserable or wherever they they're going back to. Um, but it's gonna be a hell of a hard game that one. I think these games. I know what you're saying, Clive, about you know you think you win this or that and get points, but. I don't think there's any easy games in this division. I know we all agree on that. But yeah, Luton's going to be really hard. They're, they're quite physical, so I think there's going to be a lot of cards in that game. That's my personal opinion. And we're giving them both tiers as well. So again, what can possibly go wrong on a Friday night when they've been drinking Luton,
0: all day? The Luton fans I follow on social media will tell you that number one, Luton are even worse on Sky than we are. Um, although I think they did Excellent, unless
1: we're on a Friday.
0: I think they did beat Middlesbrough last week on Sky, so that kind of kiboshes that. But apparently Luton are always crap on Sky, and I think Luton haven't... never. They say they never win at Loftus... They haven't won at Loftus Road since the 80s. I mean, they were the first team to win on the plastic pitch at ours, weren't they? Um, Which is probably why they, they got their own. I'm not sure. They've won at Loftus Road since then. Um, but well, we <laughs> all was... know what's going to happen now, live. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll shit them. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, that's That's my prediction, so... What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Um, Charlie, an hour's end, first marriage's death, what have, all, what have you got for him?
1: <laughs> Not an awful lot. I think we'll beat Luton 2-0, that's my prediction. Um, little R's end, not, not an awful lot. i just absolutely delighted to see Lee Wallace back on that pitch. Uh, we saw what an impact he's had, um, sort of his resurgence in the blue and white hoops. Sam McCullum's done tremendous. I think he's really grown into the role and sort of made it his own, but sad to see that now... He will be uh, on the sideline. Saying that though, I thought Moses Jabajo also did a good job at left back, but now also he's on the sideline. So uh, thank God we've got this little two weeks. He's, you know, he's paid 60 minutes. Hopefully he can get his fitness back up and, and he'll be ready to go um, come the tail end of this um, international break. Looked really good yesterday
0: seeing him fly up. And down. Uh, I mean, talk about QPR turnaround stories. Lee Wallace was an absolute joke, wasn't he, until Christmas last How year. That, and now, we're, yeah. now we're all talking about him and he is like the absolute key key man. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to have him back the, um, there was a lad we were linked with George Cox in the summer plays for Fortuna yes. Sittard who's suddenly now tearing it up in Holland like scored against AAPS and scored the other week from left right looks absolutely great and um did an interview in the Guardian this week that said his he's, he's move to QPR got so close that he was actually at the training ground so I don't know cool. why that fell through and I think we're going to end up given, I mean Sam was only alone anyway but has now blown his hamstring out and you would think Lee Wallace has probably only got this season in him, but we'll we'll see. I, I think we may end up regretting missing out on that. One I, that, so. one that I was just playing that one. From, Nick so, yeah. What I wonder if really we're all... going to have the, when Lee comes back and Albert, we're going to have the oldest
2: wing backs in the league, which I know isn't a great <laughs> that to have, but it's an interesting one. Like when
0: Peter Reed and Ray Wilkins played in midfield together. So. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that, yeah. Got the result, though, didn't they? That was a good day. Um, okay, let's wrap up there. We've been talking for ages. Thank you, um, finally, QPR Paul Morrissey for letting us have Ruben. Enjoyed that. Paul and Charlie, nice to see you. I will crawl back under my keyboard for the next six weeks or whatever it is and, and then come out to see you again. Thank you for having me, letting me host. I appreciate it. Um, that's it, I guess. Here's to, uh, here's to Charlie's 2-0 win against Luton. It's all his fault if it goes wrong. Thanks for you as because you actually pulled out the most... Dude, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that one's on you, Clive. I'm not taking that. I'm no, not no, me. no. This it's, is, it's all you. <laughs> if we lose, it's all you. Uh, <laughs> no right. pressure. Charlie's fault. Um, no we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll shit them, like I say. Um, this has been Open All Ours Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. See you next time. Come on, you are.